When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. And welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. <laughs> we talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, <laughs> a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London Podcast and on our websites, guideemily.com and alexlacy.com, as well as our dedicated podcast website, ladieswholondon.com, to find out more about us, our upcoming tours, and uh, about the podcast as well. And if I hadn't completely neglected my job, to find out the spot that you can enter the competition, because I forgot to put it up last week. I will do terrible. it this week, I Absolutely promise. Absolutely terrible. I promise. It's one job, one job I had. and um... You ripped into me a couple of weeks ago because I forgot <laughs> to put something up on Instagram. And look at you now. There's me forgetting to put the competition uh, box up. We have had a couple of people message us um, in a variety of different ma- manners saying, I want to be in on the competitions. That's fine. We've got you in there. But I promise, 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 I will put a box up on the website. Naughty. Naughty Miss Lacey. I've been very busy. You have been very busy. That's true. But we have the competition. Do you want to tell everyone what it is, Emily? Yes. So basically, um, God, remind me of the date. (laughs) 9th of December, isn't it? 9th of December. Check it, Matt. Alex and I are going to get into a little taxi and we're going to drive around for an hour or two and enjoy the Christmas lights. And we're just going to say what we see, basically. And have the podcast as we go. Yes, have a bit of a festive tour. And we want you, yes, you, to be in the taxi with us, with one of your friends or lovelies or whatever it is. Well, we're not going to judge anybody. (laughs) Judge. Uh, Unless there's love happening in the the taxi, in which case we might have an issue with it. Not into that. Yeah, not into that. Not into Um, that. But yeah, you can be there with us for our Christmas one. So the 9th of December, Emily is not wrong. Um, the box will be up on the website as of Wednesday evening at the latest, I promise. Um, do pop your name in there. You just have to make sure that you get yourself, you can get yourself to London on the 9th of December um, into central London and we will give you more information for the person who wins. So yeah, please do come and join us. And... The other thing that we are organising, which is the 19th of January, going to see Operation Mincemeat at the Southwark Playhouse. Tickets are down to the last couple. So if you do think you want to come, now is the time to book. I'm so excited for that. (laughs) It's so nice to have something in the diary from January as well. I know, because January is really tough, isn't it? And it's quite miserable and quite grey. So what we want is a good old war production. Absolutely. Yes, it'll be great fun. (laughs) And... uh, and then meeting in the bar afterwards. Absolutely. A few bubbles. Oh, fun. Yeah. I yeah. can't wait. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. You too. Anyway, how are you, Em? I'm good. I'm very well. You've just been away. I've just been away. I'm so jealous. I went on a plane. Ooh. Where did you go? <laughs> I went to Asiago in Italy. Very nice. Very oh, nice. It was lovely. So, yeah, we've got a couple of friends who have um, a family out there. So... Yes, it was three couples, quite a few babies. Um, so it's definitely a family um, holiday. Uh, but it was great. It was so good to get away. I feel completely revived. Good. And did everyone behave? <coughs> of course not. 
I'm thinking more of the children than the adults here. But... Oh, right, okay. Um, <laughs> they, <laughs> they did behave, yes. They were all very, very good. Um, yeah, all good. Yeah, it was lovely. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Um, what about you? Well, I've been chugging along. I went to a pickle festival on Saturday, which was oh, great yeah. fun down in Deptford. The 25th annual pickle festival um, with our lovely friend and colleague, Russell, who some of you might know. Um yeah, it was great. People, I mean, it it was it was bonkers. People had made pickles, and there were about 150 jars of pickles and chutneys and jams and things. And uh, we all went along and and yeah, ate some pickles and some cheese and listened to some fantastic live music, and then went home full of the joys of autumn. What <laughs> great! <laughs> and in terms of the pickling, was yeah. there any anything that was pickled that you've never seen pickled before? Grapes, pickled grapes, pickled grapes, which were surprisingly good. Oh, you dived yeah. in, did you? Mm, yeah, I did. I did. You couldn't try everything because there was so much. But we, uh, uh, the pickled grapes were particularly good. Russell's one, I think, was a, a absolutely blinding. Well, I'll tell you pickle. what, I've got a jar of it. Have you? I've got a jar of his piccalilli. Oh my goodness! I even I haven't got that, mm, Russell. I got it for my birthday, he texted me today actually asking if I've had any. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess that means that it's ready to be opened. So it was very nice. So I highly recommend Ooh. tucking in on that. Lovely. <laughs> right. Well, before we get on with the podcast this week, uh, it was the first time we've changed it up for the <gasps> podcast pedestal. Exciting! Super exciting. So we have changed it up, and we asked you. Yes, you. Um, what you thought was the cruxiest point of the story. And last week we spoke about Dick. Dick Turpin, to be precise. Yes. And, Richard Turpin. And I have to say, I mean, it's funny because it makes it, it, it sort of makes us real or made me realise how tricky it was to pick. So, yes, you had quite a few comments. So, Big Red for Show on instagram um, loving that name big red for show um <laughs> hiding in the chimney and buying drinks for everyone was probably my favorite part of this story but i'd say the teacher recognizing his handwriting was the crux and that does seem to be a pretty popular one actually um it does seem to be that um yeah the handwriting is 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 the one that everyone seems to have gone for. We've got um, here uh, someone under the name of Hat Scarf Shirt says, I'm sure it's a fave of many, but the handwriting on the letter seen by the old teacher. Mm, so this does yes. seem to be something that's gone through. Have you got anything else that's... Um, <laughs> that, uh, Anyone that's else, else says, so Travelling Shan, for me it was the fact that he was essentially caught because his brother-in-law wouldn't open his letter as he didn't recognise the address. I just love the idea that even back then people would be screening their calls. Yes. <laughs> it's the kind of medieval version of call screening, <laughs> isn't it? Which is fantastic. Definitely. Um, yeah, Lexi says the teacher recognising his handwriting, what are the chances? Yes. Um, and Shelley said the teacher recognising his handwriting with a kind of little uh, sneaky face of, oh, yeah, exactly, a little something, something dodgy going on. So I think we can probably say that it is a thumping win across the board for the handwriting giving him away. Do you think? Absolutely. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Thumping. Very democratic. Absolutely. So those that went for that, um, we will tag you on a post this coming weekend. Absolutely. Yes, we will. We will. Thank you for joining in the fun. There was quite a few people that voted for that, so um, definitely uh, the most popular. But it shows how, how sometimes there's, you know, one very clear winner, doesn't it? Absolutely. Well, there we go. So this week... Emily Dell, where are we heading? We are flicking through the pages of Piccadilly. <laughs> pages of Piccadilly. Yeah, because it landed in Piccadilly last week and you have gone for, well, something that was a request actually, wasn't it? Yes. So somebody asked if we could talk about kind of famous bookshops in London. Mm -hmm. So I am going to start with one based in Piccadilly um, and then I'm going to talk about a couple of other ones. Now, but it's funny because when you say, oh, you know, bookshops, you think, oh, that's not necessarily hugely fascinating. But oh, my goodness, there are some really unbelievable bookshops in London. And I, I, I guess you're starting probably with one of the most famous, given that you're on Piccadilly, which is Hatchard's. I think you mentioned that last week, didn't you? I am. Absolutely. So Hatchard's Bookshop. Um, have you been? 
I have because, um, well, it's it, first, it's a gorgeous bookshop. And mm. again, do you ever get that thing when you go into a bookshop and you just think, I know I'm never going to read everything, but I want to buy every book. There's <laughs> just something about it, isn't it? Just being really surrounded is. by books. I think it's the way that it's presented. Yeah. Just the idea of having a book in your hand or having a book in your tote bag. There's something really cosy about yeah. it. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and this one is one that has the seal of royal approval. So not just once. Not I'd just like to once. Say. Oh, not tell, just tell once. us more. Um, so, just to describe the outside of this bookshop, first of all, it has almost kind of like Dickensian vibes, you might say. Mm. It's got the colours of kind of like forest green, light wood. Uh, you've got a central door, huge windows on either side. You've got uh, hatchards, which is kind of glistening um, in gold above the door. And then above that, you've got two little kind of gold royal warrants. But there is actually more than two, but I will talk about that. And before we go on to that, um, it's the kind of shop that a lot of people just walk in front of and don't always see. So where can people find it? Where's the best kind of... So it's on Piccadilly. Um, the road itself, which mm. used to be called Portugal Street, named after Catherine of Braganza from Portugal. A little <laughs> hark back to the Twining's Tea episode. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, and people generally miss it because it is right next to Fortnum and Mason's. <laughs> and especially is, this time yeah. of year where you've got the bonkers, like absolutely incredible Christmas display in the yeah. window. Um, so, yes, it's just next door. Just it's quite next a door. modest front, isn't it? So you, you can miss it quite easily. Unless yeah. you know what you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. 187, if you want to be uh, precise. 187 Piccadilly. There we go. Yeah, there you go. Um, now, when you go in straight away, you see this beautiful uh, kind of staircase and it kind of curves around and you can kind of see elements of like uh, just kind of different corners and little kind of cubby holes and areas. It actually takes over five floors and you've yeah. also got a basement. And when you go down there, you feel like you've just been transported and you're not in London anymore. And, you know, the sound and the energy of Piccadilly is suddenly gone and you're just surrounded by all of these pages and people being quiet. Because obviously, if you are in a bookshop, it's a bit mm. like a library. You feel like you have to be a little bit kind of calm and gentle as you move around. Um, and on that note, as you move around, you're either walking on the creaky floorboards or occasionally you'll be walking over this really beautiful olive green carpet. Which so is atmospheric, got... isn't it? It's so nice. It's really, really nice. And then, of course, you've got all the colours of the book fronts and the hardbacks. And and I find that people that work in bookshops tend to just be really relaxed as well. Yeah. <laughs> And I think it's the vibe that they're picking up. I mean, there's no the stresses there. I can't there. imagine anybody has ever gone into a bookshop and, you know, like really panicked, just <laughs> desperately sort of, you know, life, know, life or death. You know, this, this, everything depends on it. I can't imagine that happens regularly. Well, I was actually in a bookshop today, funnily enough, buying a, a book for my godson. I won't say which one it is, just in case they listen. But Carmen was kicking off and I was like, <laughs> you know, that person... <laughs> It's like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> trying to stay calm. Um, anyway, as you when you go in to the left, you'll find a portrait, and you'll find a portrait of John Hatchard, mm. who is the man who actually opened the bookshop in 1797, which wow. is such a long time ago. Yeah, um, he was not only a publisher, he was also an anti slavery campaigner. Hurrah! Hurrah for John Hatchard. Yes. So late 1700s, obviously quite a crucial time mm. um, in terms of that. Um, and now it was originally at 173 Piccadilly. And after just four years of being there, it became this huge business. Like everybody knew about it. Everybody wanted to go in. And it was just massive in terms of the retail book trade. Um, and he really got a name for himself. But in the early 1800s, it moved to its present site, which is next to Fortnum and Mason's. And that is because the original shop needed to house the Egyptian Hall. Ooh. Have you heard about the Egyptian Hall? Not at Hatchards, I haven't, no. So this is at the original Hatchards. So um, commissioned by a man called William Bullock. Brilliant. Brilliant. Brilliant no relation to Sandra. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> I think so. Um, and it was the first building in England which was uh, influenced by an Egyptian style, if you like. Mm. So there were exhibitions there, artwork, um, kind of Napoleonic relics, all sorts of different things. And they used it for lectures and magic and spiritualism. Ooh. Yeah, it actually became known as England's home of mystery. That sounds exciting. It does. I think this might be one for another day. I'd quite like to do a pod all about, I don't know, kind of magic hotspots or kind of, Ooh. you know. Pop it on the list, babe. Pop it on the list. Pop it on the list. Um, now, anyway, it all started from a man called Simon Vanderberg, who um, basically gifted a huge collection of merchandise to John Hatchard to start this bookshop. So he started to sell lots of books from this man who was uh, from the Netherlands. His family were all involved in kind of book trading. Okay. Um, and yeah, he was he was quite well known for having quite a few books which were controversial. I don't know in what sense, but and I don't know what would be controversial in the late 1700s. Oh, Anything could be controversial then, really, you know. Yeah, but true. So, you know, ankles are good or something like yeah. that. <laughs> Very <laughs> yeah. controversial. Yeah, if there was an ankle is rubbish on know? the book cover. Yeah. <laughs> God, burn it. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, now... I mentioned John um, was a publisher. He first launched his publishing career with a pamphlet, which was called Reform or Ruin, Take Your Choice. Ooh. And if you uh, saw this on the front cover, it said, every man may learn the true state of things at this time and what that reform is, which alone can save the country. Oh, so he's a bit of a, a political, you know, political hot potato. Yes, well, Hatchard himself, he was quite conservative, okay. evangelical, if you like, um, and quite a lot of the books that he was trading in or working in, in terms of publishing, were connected to the Church of England. Okay, so when this other guy comes in, is Hatchard still around or is he gone by this point? Oh, no, he's still around. He's still around, still okay. Around. Sugar. Sorry, I just nearly <laughs> spilt peppermint tea all over the shop. Oh, twining. Not, not Hatchard's, I'm not actually in there. <laughs> Um, it was a Twinings, actually. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just going to leave that to drip everywhere. Um, so, yes, um, and quite a few famous people went in and purchased books. William Wilberforce, for instance. Ah. I mean, we were talking about... Um, Famously anti-slavery as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fronting the abolishment of the slave trade. Um Hannah Moore, who was a quite well-known poet playwright she was kind of in the circles of joshua reynolds garrick johnson um yeah lord spencer who was the secretary in the ministry of all the talents (laughs) is that the ministry of britain's got talent (laughs) that's actually a thing so from yeah 1806 to 1807 it didn't last long for him but um yeah he was uh, the secretary for the ministry of of all the talents. What, what's that? I have no idea. No, you need to look into that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so quite a few kind of uh, political people, writers, lots of people wanted to be in there. And I... I I, I believe that it was it did it didn't take over five floors like it does now, but it was seen as quite a huge bookshop yeah. at the time, and clearly quite important with all the. Yeah. I mean, clearly there's some sort of abolition bent to it because you know we've got Hatchard himself, we've got Wilberforce going there. I mean, maybe not necessarily, but I would imagine. Well, actually, also a a... Hannah Moore, she wrote a po- poem called "Slavery" oh. at the time of William Wilberforce. In support of um, abolition, I would assume. Yes. Yeah. yeah oh, absolutely. Oh, so clearly, there's a you know, a little bit of a, you know, a, an abolition movement going on. Maybe they'd meet there or something. Who knows? Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I love this. So, in the Edinburgh Review, there was a piece of writing in, in 1810, and it basically describes uh, a Hatchard's visitor, and it says a set of well-dressed, prosperous gentlemen assembling daily at the shop, well in with the people in power, delighted with every existing sorry existing institution and with every existing circumstance. Oh, so this it's a movers and shakers yeah. place, clearly. Very highbrow. Yeah, yes. very much so. 
Um, and to the point that the books uh, inside Hatchards was sold to royalty, Queen Charlotte, oh. for instance, who was the wife of King George III. And this brings me on to the warrants. And we spoke briefly about warrants before. Twining's Tea Shop had a royal warrant, which was mm. gifted to them for the, from the royal family. Um, so, yes, they have three. One was from Her Majesty the Queen. One was from the late... Um, Royal Highness the Duke of Edinburgh, and one was from Prince Charles. So yes, they they've got all three because it's quite a coup to collect all three royal warrants, isn't it? It is. And there are some places that obviously can't, like you know, a, a, a barber's or whatever. It's quite tricky to uh, to collect all three. But Hatchard has got all three. And so, how many they will have held? Quite a few over the years, then, I guess. Yes, absolutely, and. If you want to get up close to a royal warrant, it's actually quite hard because they're usually just above the door. Mm. But because there are three in Hatchards, you've got two above the door and you've got one, which was from Her Majesty the Queen, behind the till. So when you go in, it's just to the right and it's at eye level. So you can get a really good look at the detail and, you know, what's on there. And it's, it, I mean, it's so weighty. Not that I lifted it, of course. <laughs> I wasn't like, uh, excuse me, do you mind looking over there for a second? Wait! <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, run out the door with it yeah get my hammer and chisel out um it's actually here with me now <laughs> and um, just in case people don't know what the royal warrant is can you explain what that what that means so if you have been serving your goods to the royal family for a particular number of years then you will receive a royal warrant i think you need to do at least five years in order to receive one so um in terms of where the royal family get their books it would be from hatchards Hatchels, yeah yeah um there's also a, a table it's called oscar's table as apparently oscar wilde used to frequent this shop quite a lot oh, really? it was his favorite bookshop apparently and he used to um do kind of like a book signing and would sign his books on this table so that's quite lovely wow that's rather um, nice yeah it's nice isn't it and when you go around it is a bit like a mini museum so there are lots of things on display which will tell you a little bit about the history of hatchards there are pictures of the front of hatchards um in the middle of the 19th century so you can see kind of how it's changed um and there's also a shop receipt dating back to 1815 oh wow yeah whereabouts can you find that so you can find that basically to the left of John Hatchard's picture. So okay. when you go in to the left, you've got the stairs kind of weeping round and going up. Just to the left, you'll see it's like in this little kind of glass case. All oh, right, fabulous. I don't think I've ever seen that. Mm, yeah, that's rather fun. Um, John Hatchard, he died. Oh no! <laughs> I know. Very unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the age of eighty, though, so he had a good life. Um, and there is a memorial to him inside St Paul's Church in Clapham. Oh, is there now? Is yeah. that where he's buried as well? Yes. Was yeah. it just in the attic of the bookshop? <laughs> yeah, it's there somewhere. <laughs> the resident ghost. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> um, now, they do also have another one, Hatchards. They have one in King's Cross. They oh. opened it in 2014, and it was next to the Fortnum and Masons <laughs> in King's Cross Station, uh, which is lovely because, you know. Buddies. The, the, yeah, the buddies. But it's not so lovely anymore because in 2019, they had to move to a bigger store. Oh, so well, good for them there. yeah good for them good, good for them and do you know if that store there they have the royal warrant on show as well i doubt it because just i don't the, think it's duplicated just in the in the main store the headquarters. Yes. yeah yeah okay. just in the headquarters store uh, maybe there's a little picture of it yeah or like an etch thing i think you can do the etching type thing but yeah yes possibly but yeah. And if you do want to get up close and personal to one of the Royal Warrant badges, there are a few places where you can. If you go into Charbonnel and Walker, the chocolate shop, there's one on the wall there mm. that you can see really easily. Um, and some of the older ones are on show in places like um, Lock and Co, Lob. Um, so some previous kings and queens are on the walls there. Again, the current ones are sort of up above the door on most of them. Um, but Charbonnel and Walker, you can get quite close to that one, which is a very nice chocolate shop just off Bond Street. Lovely. Um, and yes, they have all sorts of events going on. They've got a really nice kind of Christmas customer evening where customers can go in and they can meet uh, a lot of 
uh, this year's best authors who are going to come in and sign oh, books wow. for people. Amazing. Um, and they've also got a podcast. Have they? Chance. They have. They've yeah. um, launched two episodes. The last episode was on the 31st of August and the one before that was in... Uh, sorry, 31st uh, of October and the one before that was August. So I'm hoping that it will continue... They're going to have to play catch up if they're going to keep up with us. Absolutely. What are we on? This is our 61st. Oh, my God. Um, Anyway, I'm going to leave Piccadilly now. Okay. Where are we heading to next? And we are heading to Gaze the Word. Oh, okay. Where where is that exactly? So it's quite close to Russell Square. If Mm -hmm. you're aware of the Foundling Museum... I am it's, very aware uh, of it. Yeah, yeah, it's not too far from there. Um, if you want the exact address, it's sixty-six Marchmont Street. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, gaze the words. Did you say that you've been in? No, um, I have not. But I do. I mean, I've heard of it. I do know what it's, a little bit about what it's about. But I haven't been in. Um, so <laughs> it's the UK's oldest LGBT bookshop. Wow. Okay. Amazing. Now, um, this bookshop is certainly not on Hatchard's um, kind of size. It's a teeny tiny bookshop. And when you look at it, it's got kind of a pale blue facade. You'll see Gaze the Word just above uh, the square window and bookmarking, if you like, the word. You've got two little red triangles. Okay. Um, and it was opened in 1979. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's very well known for selling books and also promoting human rights. Fantastic. Opened by kind of three people quite instrumental for the opening of the bookshop. Ernest Hole, Peter Dory and Mark Ashton. Okay. Um, Peter Dory in particular, he was kind of the front runner, if you like, and he was inspired by similar bookshops that he found in New York. Ah, I see. Yes. Um, the name itself is named after the Ivor Novello musical Gaze the Word. Okay. Which was first opened in the 1950s in Manchester, I oh, believe, right. and then eventually came to London. Okay. Um, and it's now under the guidance of Jim McSweeney and his assistant, Uli Lennart. Okay. Um, but originally, when they wanted to open, I mean, this obviously in the 1970s, um, uh, Camden Council, which is kind of like uh, the borough, if you like, or the council for the borough, uh, completely rejected it and didn't really? want it at all. Mm. But I, mean, I suppose that's not surprising for the 70s, although for the 70s, yeah, yeah. Yeah. things were starting to change by then. But mm, yeah, but I mean, enough. they did have the support from Ken Livingston. Oh. Yes, yeah, so uh, he kind of pushed it forward. So it did actually go ahead and open. Um, but about 10 years later, 1984, the store was raided by HM Customs and Excise. This was dubbed Operation Tiger. And they basically seized thousands, thousands of pounds of stock, all sorts of different books that they believed was kind of indecent material. Oh. Yeah, and charges were brought to staff, directors. They thought <gasps> that they were... Uh, they basically saw it as a pawn shop really yeah i mean they were taking books like the joy of gay sex and the joy of lesbian sex but they were also taking books and poetry by people that were gay so it was totally um you know a homophobic act of you know ceasing material and you know basically um getting them uh arrested yeah but there was so much media coverage over this and so many people questioning you know why are you doing this that in the end the charges were finally dropped good but i mean for quite a while whenever they uh closed the shop they had to put shutters down because they were so worried about their windows being broken really oh, mm. so awful, and actually I, I think it was is it 2015 2016 the london riots um yeah, when was that? No, I can't even remember when that it's was. It's around that. I think it's a good six, six, seven years ago. Yeah. But yeah, they had Maybe their windows earlier. broken then. Did they? Yeah. But, you know, the next day, the people in the area and the people that would constantly go to the bookshop were so kind of shocked by it that they want, they gave money and said, look, please take this money so that you can sort out the window oh, and, wow. you know, any damages. Like, there's such a, a huge community and so much love for this shop. It's, That's so it's crazy. Well, not it's not crazy, but... Um, it's just really, really nice. Um, and there is actually a blue plaque above the door, which Ooh. commemorates the group's co-founder, 
um, the activist Mark Ashton. Okay. Mm. So I, I assume um, then he's no longer with us because blue plaques only usually get given out when somebody's died after they've yeah. died quite a while after. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you can find all sorts of books, books on history, politics, travel, poetry, um, queer theory, queer history, advice about people coming out. Um, and it quickly established itself as this hub, this place where people could go to feel safe, mm. which is really lovely. And I think people still, you know, have that today. Yeah, um, fantastic. Well, by the sounds of it, yeah, the kind of community feeling for it mm. is obviously very strong and still very much present. Yeah. And there was a cafe there initially, basically because they didn't have enough books. They didn't have enough <laughs> gay material, mm. um, either kind of material on the idea of being gay or written by gay people. Um, but then eventually they had so many that they had to close the cafe. Oh, so really? No longer there. Yeah. My goodness. Um, I think that was in the 1990s when they closed the cafe. Uh, and there's been lots of groups. So people would meet up there. Um, you'd have Irish gay, the Irish gay people in London group, um, black gay group, um, lesbians and gay support for the minors group. Quite a big instrumental group, actually, when the minors went on strike, weren't they? Yeah. And actually, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie Pride. Yes, I have. Very good movie. Yeah. So this came out in 2014 and it really kind of uh, introduced the shop to people. And this Oh, film... is that the shop that they went and met in? Is that that one? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I hadn't realised that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the movie is all about the minor strike because mm. the gay activist uh, Mark Ashton he basically realised that police had stopped harassing the gay community because their attention was suddenly elsewhere on the minor strike. So without really thinking, he suddenly uh, kind of created this um, this fund, if you like. It was called the Lesbian and Gay Support for the Minors mm. and just basically got a collection together and raised lots of money for them. And I think by doing that, it kind of showed the minors who I presume were mostly you know, straight men, um, the support that they had from the gay community and vice Absolutely. versa. Other people who were, yeah, it, 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 undergoing oppression, I guess. Yeah. That's now that I'm, that's, I'm really ashamed to say that I hadn't made the link between that film and that, and of course the lead character is Mark Ashton, isn't he? Mm. In it. Yeah. I hadn't yeah. made the link between the two. There we go. If, if you haven't seen that, that movie, uh, it is fantastic. I really recommend it. Very good British movie. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Peter Dory, who's now passed away as well, and the co-owner, Ernest Hull, were also part of a group called the Gay Icebreakers. Mm. And this was a socialist group, um, and they basically ran a helpline. So if anybody had any worries, um, you know, in terms of coming out or how they felt about themselves, how they felt about other people, then they could ring this, this helpline to the shop. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's it's lovely to see communities like that coming together, isn't it? And mm. uh, and creating the safe space that is needed. Um, yeah, yeah, good absolutely. On them. Good on them. And great and to hear that it's still going strong. And it, it yeah. really strong. I mean, there was a time, and I guess when it comes to bookshops, when you had people that were starting to, uh, well, you know, listen to podcasts or listen to um, what should we call it, the eBooks. Mm, yeah. Um, then it's a massive worry, isn't it? But I think suddenly we've got this new generation of people that that actually really want to physically hold a book. And it is almost quite fashionable, really, to <laughs> to be seen with a book, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, I, I do do a lot of listening to books of late, just purely, very simply, because I was always a massive bookworm. Mm. Um, and then I did the Blue Badge course and we had to read so much that it's actually broken me for reading. Mm. And I can't seem to read for pleasure. So I oh, tend really? to listen. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, it's, it's one of my biggest regrets is that I love, I'm so happy I did the course, but it's broke. And I used to read, I used to have like several books on the go and I was known as a bookworm and, you know, all that kind of thing. And it broke me for it. So I'm doing a lot of listening to audiobooks in it as an attempt to try and get back into reading. But when I do read, I want a physical book. I don't want a yeah. Kindle. I don't want any kind of, you know, PDF on my iPad. I want a book. There's yeah, something. No, I want a physical book as well. Yeah. There is just that kind of turn in the pages and just having it in your hand. Yeah. Um, 
something very pleasing about it. The smell it of an old is. book. Oh, it's smell, so especially if it is, you know, because I get quite a lot of books from secondhand shops. Yeah. And I like the idea that they've been in so many different people's hands and, you know, everybody's had their own different feeling about characters in the book or, you know, particular synopsis. Exactly. And especially if, like, you know, people have written in a book as well. Like, I find that fascinating. Yes. People have done their doodles or dedicated it to someone. It can be really romantic, actually. Yeah. And I love that thing of when you have a book, especially, obviously, it's a novel, not, not so much of a factual book, but you create the whole world in your head. You know what they look like. You know what the place looks like. And then almost when people do it as a movie, then I, half the time I don't want to watch it because it's in my head. I know what it looks like. And, and that's my that's my version of it. Yeah. Um, and I love that because it's your own private sort of image of it. It is interesting, isn't it? Because uh, whenever you're reading a book, yeah, you have a particular... Straight away, you've already formed that visual mm. of that particular character. Yeah. And you put the book down, you pick it back up again, and immediately it's Still. that image again, isn't yeah. it, that you've created within Absolutely. that, you know, uh, maybe first couple of pages. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's let's hope that my my love of reading comes back because I would love to have that back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, any money that is made as well, I should say, goes back into the shop, straight oh, wow, back okay. into the shop. Yeah, purchasing books and uh, it's such a cute place as well. Every little nook and cranny is full of something. Whether that's posters, whether that's um, flags, whether that's buttons and badges, just books piled on top of books and as I say it's not huge they do have book signings and they do have a couple of events there but um but it's something quite nice about kind of mm. being back to back with someone you know as you're kind of sifting through and you know seeing what's what's yeah. new on the shelf absolutely mm. and they also won an award in 2018 the attitude pride award oh wow yeah fantastic yeah so there we go that's gay's word brilliant where and are we going we are, next we are now going to go to marleybone oh very nice number 83 and 84 marleybone which is the daunt bookshop ah very famous yes, yes. so claiming to be the first custom-built bookshop in the world oh mm. interesting so it takes over two shop fronts a little bit like hatchards it's got kind of a dark green color um pink granite curved windows and it's quite famous for the interior because you go in and you've got this long oak kind of galleries that go above you. This it's is long. incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Looks so and beautiful. The whole ceiling is kind of like one gigantic skylight. So you've got so much light beaming through. But you've also got kind of these cosy emerald green lights that kind of hang above as well. Uh, one wall is bright turquoise. Um, you've got these round tables in the middle and a really nice little feature. You've got these uh, William Morris prints mm. wallpaper. If um, anyone doesn't know what William Morris prints are, pop it into Google. They're kind of um, really lovely sort of floral prints. Mm. Uh, I mean, some people love them. Some people don't like them so much, but they are very kind of traditional and arts and crafts style um they're, they're really pretty yeah so it kind of works very nicely with a very british yeah theme. lots of flowers yes. and kind of swirly patterns and petals lovely yeah so you can buy um buy these prints and they're just right in the middle um yes yeah, so it's got a lovely atmosphere mm. and the marleybone branch was the first but there are actually nine daunt bookshops that now many? yes they're not wow. all called daunt okay. um but they are owned by them or opened by the same same company um now in 1860 there was a bookshop where the current one is in marlebone which was selling books mainly on theology mm -hmm. and this went on until 1908 when a man called francis edwards who also lived above the shop purchased it and also sold books with the emphasis on travel topography and maps Okay. And it was actually called the Francis Edwards Bookshop. Right. Um, and this is where he got the architect, a man called W. Henry White. Do you know anything of his? No, I don't think I do. No, I think he Should did I quite... No, I don't, he did quite a few houses around Marylebone, quite a few interiors. Oh, okay. Mm. Do you know, of all the places in London, Marylebone is, is one of the ones I know the least, I would say. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful, quite, but, but really beautiful. He was quite well known for his Queen Anne style. Right. Okay. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. And basically, Edwards, you know, embarked on this no expense spared attitude. <laughs> um, and what he created, or what he asked W. Henry White to create, is still what you can see today, which is what I described in terms of these long galleries and this glass ceiling, um, a place where you just want to spend. Um, an afternoon on a rainy day yeah and hear the tipper tapper of the rain kind of beating off the glass on the top oh, it's and... lovely isn't it it really is yeah yeah because even it's though you've got of, so much light, i always i always so think warm. of it's it's a little bit like the um what's the, the liberties of bookshops yes in a way because liberties the the department store is known for just being this beautiful kind of wooden again with a lovely sort of skylight roof and that kind of thing and i feel like dawn is the bookshop version of that yeah it's one definitely. of those ones that always pops up on most beautiful bookshops in the world that kind of thing mm. gorgeous mm. it is lots of people have drawn it i really mm. want to draw it actually yeah. um, i've done a couple of a uh, couple of bookshops but um i really want to do daunt um now above the door you can actually see the date that w henry white designed the interior or you know was the architect for it and that is 1910 and you can see that above the three kind of arch windows just at the front okay um, and the shop remained with Francis Edwards and his family until the 1970s when it was bought by Pharaoh's Books in 1982, which was when, for a little while, it was actually known as Reeds of Marleybone High Street. Okay. So, it was so actually, it Edwards. hasn't been daunt for very long. Oh, no. no, no. It was Francis Edwards for most of it. Um, before that, as I said, it was a little bookshop, which was just kind of selling books on theology. It was quite teeny tiny then. Mm. Um and then it was Reeds of Marleybone. And then in 1990, it was taken over by James Daunt, who was a former banker. I thought the Daunt name went back longer than that. Goodness me. No, there no you go. Clue. And he expanded it into two shops then. So at that point, it was just one shop. Right. Um, and he... Well, there's kind of like a nice little nod to him because he was a former banker. When you go in... Uh, you can find this uh, huge walk-in safe. I mean, you can't actually go in it, but you can tell that it's a safe. And apparently it's where they used to keep expensive volumes. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know what they keep in there now. I mean, probably probably still that. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Um, so there's still a focus on travel mm -hmm. and it's arranged geographically. So any book to do with America is in the America section or Africa section or Asia section. So this could be guidebooks, phrase books, travel writing, food, history, fiction, wow. anything goes in its relevant country, which yeah. is quite quite interesting because I, in terms of people watching, it's quite fun as well because you'd be like, oh, I wonder what that person's doing over there in America. Yeah, because most, most bookshops would do it in sort of, you know, you have a section for food, it'd be everywhere in there and then a section for travel writing. And so it's actually quite nice to do it on the country. And I suppose if you're looking for inspiration, if you think, oh, I'm going to Peru or wherever, and you head to that section, you'd be like, oh, actually, there's a few more things here I might fancy. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Love it. Um, so as I say, they've got nine stores now. So they've got branches in Holland Park, Cheapside, Hampstead. The one in Kentish Town is called the Owl Bookshop, but it's it was bought by Daunt Books, um, but basically retains its, its name. Okay. Um, and the first one out of London uh, was in Essex, Saffron Walden, which oh. is named Hearts Books. And you can also find one in Marlow, which is called... The Marlowe Bookshop. That's creatively named. <laughs> exactly. Um, and even though, I mean, I have been to all of them, but I've looked at images to see kind of like the interiors. Mm. And you can tell there is something about it in terms of its kind of cosiness that it is under Daunt Books. Definitely. And I think that's, you know, you often see people on the tube with a, taunt, a tote bag that says Daunt Books on it. And you're like, oh, mm. they know their bookshops. Yeah. It's, sort of, it's that thing of, oh, look, yeah. Um, but it is lovely. It's such a gorgeous. Um, it feels a bit like, it's not quite as cosy as Hatchard. Um, it, it feels more sort of, I don't know, almost like a, a big library, like a, yes, like a reference a library like type library. thing. Yes, there are um, more chairs. Yeah, and it's much more kind of spacious and and almost more impressive, really, which kind of always makes me think of the of the Liberties Link. But um, yes, it's not quite as cosy, but it is just phenomenal, beautiful, mm. beautiful shop. And it, it certainly encourages you to sit down. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and they have lots of events. I mean, actually, Daunt actually hosts its own book festival, the Daunt 
book festival, oh, which is held annually in spring. Oh, wow. Did not know that. Yeah. Um, and they have events every couple of weeks. So, for instance, when this goes out, because obviously Alex and I, we, we record this a little bit before Wednesday. Well, the day before. <laughs> I mean, this week before, it's actually. three hours before Wednesday. It's currently 20 to 10 p.m. <laughs> on Tuesday. Um, but so tomorrow, which is the 17th, they have um, uh, kind of an event where Claire fin- Finney, who is the author of The Female Chef, which is uh, a book that she's just written and it's just been published. And it's all about um, the imbalance of uh, professional kitchen gender. Um, so all about kind of how wow. Michelin star chefs even now, you know, tend to be mostly men. And she's written a book all about that. Gosh. So she's she's talking about that. £10 for the event. Um, and then on the 23rd, you've got Mark David Bayer. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but he's written a book called The Ottomans. And while he's there, you've also got James Barr there, who wrote a book that I absolutely love. I don't know if you've read it, The Line in the Sand. I have not read it, no. Uh, he also uh, wrote Lords of the Desert. So it's all about um, kind of the struggles around the Middle East in the 20th century. Um, so you can, uh, you know, find these events um, on their website. And and, and I think what we'll do is the show notes as well, which will be at the bottom of your, wherever you're listening. Um, click on the link. It'll take you to show notes and we'll put a link in there so you can go to the the, the events page of these places as well. So Yes, And see absolutely. pictures of them as you're, yes. as you're listening to the yeah. podcast. I'll do that um so then i've just got a couple of teeny tiny ones that i'm going to talk about teeny and this tiny. one is very teeny tiny it's called word on the water oh i love this bookshop yes so word on the water is very close to coal drops yard it is on the canal it's on the regent's canal so quite close to king's cross mm-hmm. and it's on a boat it's a dutch barge which is about a hundred years old very rustic and you (laughs) look at it and it's just full of books you've got plants you've got musical instruments sometimes you see people actually performing on top of the canal boats Mm -hmm. which is great because it gets your attention even more and there's a sign that tells you that the bookshop entrance is this way which will take you into the canal boat itself which I don't know if somebody I mean I guess somebody sleeps there I don't know because you you wouldn't want to kind of leave that, I guess. Well, but when you go in, it's it's quite no more than anywhere else, I guess. It's quite hard to tell where where they would sleep. I can't imagine they'd, they'd so sleep. Many books. I can't imagine they'd sleep above the shop on that one. Mm. I imagine you just locked that up. Yes. Yeah. But you, the magical thing is though that you can actually go in. So it's yeah. the whole entire thing. Gorgeous. And along the Regent's Canal, in certain places in London, they have these canal boat markets. There's one over near uh, Victoria Park and it's lovely because you can go into the canal boats and kind of get that that taste of what it's like to be on one and then purchase Mm. goods. And with the um, word on the water, you can actually sit and just read and, you know, bob up and down on the water. It's lovely. Fantastic. Mm. And before they secured a permanent mooring, they actually had to move every two weeks, which I'm sure was a little bit problematic in terms of people trying to find them. (laughs) And even more dramatically, um, the barge nearly sank about seven years ago. What? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but apparently it nearly flooded. And (laughs) all the books would have got a bit soggy. Um. Yes. So they also do talks. They run talks on politics, art, feminism, mostly in the summer or, you know, when it's a little bit warmer. Because most talks, of these talks... Are in the boat? And though they happen on top of the boat. Oh, on top of the boat. Oh, on top okay. of the boat. Yeah. Um, and on Twitter, uh, this is how they kind of describe themselves. A floating bookshop, great books, friendly parrot, warm stove, poetry <laughs> slams, live music on the roof. Yeah. Isn't that lovely? So tell me more about the parrot, because everyone's going to ask. I don't know much about the parrot. I don't oh. know. Yeah, who is this parrot? I'm not too sure. When uh, yeah, I've not I've not seen the parrot. So yeah, it wasn't there when I went. Um, no, me neither. I'm not too sure. Well, we'll have to do some rummaging there, won't we? We will. We will. <laughs> um, and uh, they they do have another shop as well. The owner or the creator of the the word on the water, Francesca Wilkins, she opened a bookshop in Margate. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. But Margate's been having its own resurrection of late, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. 
Now, the last little one that I want to mention mm. is actually a, it's a shop. I don't know if I can really kind of class this as a bookshop, <laughs> but I just love it so much. It doesn't just sell books. It sells all sorts of memorabilia. It's called Alice Through the Looking Glass. Okay. So do you know it? I, I don't know. Oh, okay. So it's number 14, Cecil Court, which is basically <gasps> oh. nicknamed Booksellers Row, Cecil Court. I do know the street, yes. Yeah, you've got about 20-odd secondhand bookshops. It's paradise if you are, you know, really into your secondhand books. I've just remembered where it is. Yes, I don't think I've ever been in that shop, but it's oh. next to March Payne, isn't it? Which is the yes. famously children's bookshop. Yes, um, and it's wonderful. It's established in 2012, so, you know, it hasn't been around for too long. Mm. But they basically have memorabilia and rare editions of Lewis Carroll's stories. Wow. Um, there's artwork, first edition books, stationery. There's anything to do with Alice, basically. It's all Alice related. And you can just get some really beautiful books with these gorgeous pictures and they um kind of get things from ebay and have lots of different rare things for instance they've got a chessboard which was painted by um the man who actually did all the illustrations for alice in wonderland oh okay uh john tineal uh, i've probably pronounced that wrong tineal <laughs> i always do <laughs> oh, he doesn't listen it's fine <laughs> no that's true um he was also the cartoonist for punch magazine so yeah oh, yeah yeah yeah. okay yeah. and they own quite a few things that are in different museums around london there's a couple of alice in wonderland pieces that are in the vna because they've just recently had uh, an alice in wonderland exhibition haven't they Yes, so, they have. Um, and there was a chessboard as part of it, so I don't know if that was the same one. If they oh, maybe, it. maybe so um, then, yeah. yeah. Because when you said that, that, that rang a, a bell because there was it was beautiful, really, really gorgeous uh, mm. chessboard that was there. Interesting. Yes, so you might want to pop in there or just have a little walk down Cecil Court because, yes, it is it is book heaven. It really is. It's all rare editions and out of print this and that and the other and... Um, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, Cecil Court mm. is, is a must on the book lovers' uh, pilgrimage tour of London. Definitely. Definitely. And we might not know who the parrot was on the, the barge, <laughs> but in the Alice, book, uh, Alice in Wonderland bookshop, you do have a white rabbit called Harley. Oh, yes, an actual little, white rabbit? An actual white rabbit. Oh, lovely. Yeah. We should do we should do a podcast on all the different animals, the pets around London, because there's quite oh, a lot. Good. Yes. Quite a lot around. Yeah. Um, amazing. Fabulous. so there we go that's our little fantastic trip. a lovely little trot through some of the most famous bookshops in london do you, do you have a do you have a favorite oh i would have to say hatchards i just love the cozy atmosphere especially around christmas time because yeah. they put lots of christmas decorations in the windows they have space to have a big tree as well um yeah, yeah i think what i have you? to go with you on hatchards i mean i i do love daunt books but there's something about the history of hatchards and the i don't know it's just I do love it. When I've taken guests in there, it does feel like a bit of a hug um, in, a, in a bookshop, which, yeah. And for Christmas, like mm, you're right, you're, it it is, it's lovely for that. It's, um, yeah. yeah, amazing. Thank you so much, Emily. Well, I hope that has, um, you're very uh, welcome. you know, fulfilled the criteria of whoever it was that wanted bookshops in London. And I mean, there are loads of them, but I think you've picked some of the most historic and the, the best stories um, for those ones. I particularly like, uh, you know, the little, receipt in hat jars and that kind of thing yeah it's 200 years old amazing yeah i'll put some pictures up yes so do follow the show links uh, which are in the description of your podcast and that will take you and show you some pictures of all of these places you don't have to bother googling them you can just pop on there and they will all be on that spot there we go another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Podcast Pedestal. Podcast pedestal this week. It is over to you again, listeners. It's time for you to tell us what you want as your most important bit of the podcast. Yes, it could be absolutely anything. It could be 
the description of one of the bookshops it could be um it could be the architecture it could be anything and let us know if you've been to any of these bookshops as well and if you've got you know personal uh, links to them or you have a particular one that you love or one that we've not even mentioned as well today uh, please get in touch and let us know and we'll, we'll read out your comments uh, on next week's podcast absolutely even if it's not in london you know your hometown <laughs> if it's got a particular bookshop that you really love We'd really like to hear about it. Absolutely, absolutely. Before we get to the Wheel of Destiny, do we have any kind of parish notices that we need to give out? Apart from the entering the competition. Yes, that is a big parish notice. (laughs) Please enter the competition. We want you to be in our taxi. Um, And as I say, you can bring a friend or, you know, whatever you want. I say whatever you want. You know, it could be a, a family pack of Mars bars. It's up to you. Um, so yes, please do put your name in. Yes. And other than that, and you're still drawing. I am indeed. Yes. Let <laughs> me know, guys, way. if you want me to. Yeah, absolutely. If you want me to do any drawings for you, any Christmas cards, Christmas presents. Oh yeah, your Christmas cards always go know. down very well, indeed. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah. Family yeah, all got just them last message year. me on sketch underscore history. And this. Week, well, next week coming, the 27th of November, uh, I have a public Westminster Abbey tour. So if you've always wanted to go to Westminster Abbey, um, but you've never you've never done it or you want to go around with a guide, um, this is your opportunity to come around with me um, for a fraction of the cost of what it would be for a normal private tour. It's £35 and that includes the £25 entrance into Westminster Abbey. It's at 11 o'clock on the... Tw- no, it's not. It's at 10 o'clock. <laughs> on the 27th of November and we've got some spaces left so please do come along um I don't know if I'm going to run one of those again so this is probably your only chance possibly only chance we'll see and then the Christmas lights tours now the first one is sold out the 4th of December is sold out the uh, 19th is close to selling out and then we've got 21st and 23rd so um, if you want to come on one of those get your name down at quick sharp otherwise you might miss out Excellent. And this is such a lovely time to go to Westminster Abbey as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's so nice. And it'll be really quiet, which is fantastic. The Wheel of Destiny. So, it is your favourite time of the week. The favourite time of the week. Wheel of Destiny. Yes. So, now we've been having quite a feeling? few um, inquire, uh, well, requests in. So, I'm mm. hoping that we can try, start to cover some of those off because some of them haven't yet popped up on the wheel so um well actually you've done a couple of requests well last week this was a request this week wasn't it yes Um, which is great so i'm hoping that we'll get um something i can pick this week so give it a spin and let's see what happens oh well i mean the people at home don't know this but we have actually added a couple of new ones on the wheel when it's landed on one of the new ones which is the Royal Docks. Oh, which was a request one. So that's good. That's really good. Um, fabulous. So we had a request about some history about the Royal Docks and there's a lot that we could do. Um, the one that I had on at the top of my list for um, Royal Dock stuff is, now I'm going a bit dark at the moment, uh, the Silvertown Explosion. Oh. Mm. Do you know about this? this? No, I do no, not. No, you don't. Okay. It's quite a big quite a big deal for this area of London because you know that the, the Royal Docks are slightly out to the east and they're uh, sort of an area in their own right and they get a little bit forgotten sometimes mm. um, so when stuff happens there it's often quite big locally um, but this one was a very big thing that happened uh, you know and affected the whole of London so we're going to look at the Silvertown explosion which happened at the start of the 1900s boom boom I'm into literally. it <laughs> literally so that's what we're going to be looking at next week Excellent. Well, I very much look forward to that. Absolutely. Well, listen, that's it for this week. Thank you all so much for coming. We really appreciate it. I know we've got a few new listeners of late, which is wonderful. Hello. Um, Hello. Thank you for coming along. And please, 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 if you get a second, do go and give us a a rating on iTunes. We'd love some more five-star ratings. That would be amazing. It helps us get out to some more people. So that would be wonderful. Um, And tell your friends. Tell your friends to come along. and, And if they like, you know, little bits of London history tell them to come and hang out with us definitely and also let us know what you want us to talk about yes um it's really lovely you know getting those messages for particular requests even if it's not something specific but it's an area of london yeah let us know yeah we'll we'll figure it out from there 
Great. It's your podcast, people. Yeah, it's not ours. It's yours. (laughs) It's officially yours. We are your ladies. What do you want us (laughs) to talk about? (laughs) So there we go. Thank you all so much for coming. We will see you next week for a bit of explosion excitement. Fabulous. Um, See you then. Have a great week. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. Lots of love.